Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, March 28th. On this date in 1979, the worst commercial nuclear accident in U.S. history happened with a partial meltdown at a Pennsylvania power plant. Do you remember the name of that infamous location? I'll tell you the answer in just a bit. But first, let's check in with the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Tuesday forecast. And good morning to you, meteorologist Joey Sovide. Starting out this Tuesday morning with some areas of fog under a mostly cloudy sky. Temperatures on the mild side starting out near 60, if not around 65 degrees. Now this afternoon, we'll see the chance of a couple of showers head our way, uh, especially the farther south you are. A little bit better chance of rain under mostly cloudy sky. Highs today in the mid-70s. few showers this afternoon, early this evening, and then rain out of the forecast, probably for most of you the rest of the week. 68 degrees Wednesday, 73 Thursday. So we'll be cooling down a little bit before a late week warm up. We'll see high around 80 on Friday and 83 on Saturday. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now let's get to your morning headlines. Nashville police say a 28-year-old opened fire at their former elementary school yesterday morning in Tennessee. Yeah, six people were killed, three of them students. The gunman is also dead, shot by police. We do want to warn you that some of the surveillance video just released by police could be disturbing to some viewers. Christian Benavidez is there with the latest. Children held hands as they were taken to safety following a deadly shooting at their Nashville school. No parents should have to receive that call. Police say the shooter killed three students and three adults at the Covenant School, a Christian elementary school. I was hoping this day would never ever come here in this city. The students were all just nine years old, identified as Evelyn Dykehouse, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney. The adults, custodian Mike Hill, substitute teacher Cynthia Peak, and head of school Catherine Coots, who was interviewed by WTVF, the CBS affiliate in Nashville, in 2019. Our um, motto is to be known, to be loved, to be prepared, because we feel like those go together. Police say the shooter was Audrey Hale, a 28-year-old former student of the school. We have a manifesto, we have some writings that we're going over uh, that uh, pertain to this day, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. In newly released surveillance video, police say Hale shot through a door and entered the school, then walked through the building. Hale was later killed by police on the second floor. And they're actually hearing gunfire. The entire incident happened in just 14 minutes. Terrified parents were seen rushing to the school. So even in a remarkably fast response, there was not enough time. And those guns stole precious lives from us today in Nashville. Authorities say the shooter used three guns, including an assault-style rifle. Christian Benavides, CBS News, Nashville. New security measures are coming to South Carolina State University's campus after a weekend shooting near a student apartment complex. The university says they went into lockdown at around 11.30 Saturday night after police got reports of a shooting near the Eugene Suites student apartment complex. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division has been asked to investigate the shooting. SLED says no injuries were reported. Meanwhile, the school's president has announced several new safety measures that include no non-student visitors after 9 p.m., increased inspections, armed guards at high-risk locations, a 24-hour monitoring center, and extra lighting and fencing at Eugene Suites. 
This is the second shooting at that student apartment complex just this month. One person was hurt in that former or that previous shooting. A person is dead after a crash involving a school bus and a pickup truck. Charleston County deputies say the driver of the pickup died at the scene yesterday. Two adults from that bus were injured. Thankfully, no students were on the bus at the time, and deputies say the crash happened just after 1.30 yesterday afternoon in the 6600 block of Highway 162 in Hollywood. Deputies say they believe the pickup was headed west on the highway when it crossed over that center line, hit the bus head-on. That's when both vehicles caught fire. The crash is under investigation, but the sheriff's office says no charges are expected. The trial is underway for one of the men accused of shooting and killing an 18-year-old in North Charleston back in 2018. Maurice Singleton is charged with murder in the death of 18-year-old Vaughn McFadden. His trial comes more than five years after the murder. Singleton and Jawan Lockwood, both 18 at the time of the shooting, are each charged with murder and possession of a weapon. Lockwood's charges are still pending. Singleton also has three pending weapons charges. Singleton was arrested at a home days after the shooting with no incident. If found guilty, Singleton could face a minimum of 30 years in prison for the murder charge and three years for the possession of a weapon charge. A mother who lost her child is still looking for the only outfit he ever got to wear after it was accidentally given away. Now, that outfit was accidentally sold to Once Upon a Child in North Charleston. Diana Bell and her husband, Chris, are looking for whoever purchased their son's sleeper. Their son, Flynn, passed away only one hour after he was born. The family is calling on the community to help them locate that preemie-sized sleeper. There have been reports that the sleeper had been found, but the Bell family has confirmed that is not the case. It was purchased from Once Upon a Child in North Charleston March 4th at 10.30 in the morning using a prepaid visa. Anyone with any information can contact Zaniah. We do have her contact information under this story on the web. The debate about whether or not to allow prayer before school board meetings will continue for now. The Charleston County School Board moved to postpone that vote last night. The policy amendment under review adds the option for board members to open board meetings with a prayer. Molly McBride tells us how the community reacted to this agenda item. The policy aims to align the school boards with the state, allowing a prayer before meetings. Board members discussed things in private for hours, but before they moved behind closed doors, we heard from some people who were there, and not everyone was on the same page. And I would like anybody who is um, does not want our district to pray aloud um, to please stand up in solidarity with our Constitution. Bonnie Cleveland says although some board members consider public prayer to be traditional and ongoing, she does not consider public prayer as a long-standing practice. And she was not the only person who spoke out against prayer before board meetings. We have teachers that are not paid enough. We have disparities based on zip codes and schools. And this school board is more concerned about praying before your meeting. Where are the priorities of this board? But some disagreed, telling the board that many important meetings are opened with prayer. So... Why not CCSD meetings? With the important matters of educating our children at stake, I would think that it would be very critical to open the school board meetings with, Dear Lord, guide us to do what is right and good for your children. 
our most precious legacy on earth are our children. They're to be loved, protected, guided, led to their God-given purpose. And this begins as we pray for them that the hand of God would keep them as the apple of his eye. According to district documents, the policy would allow for board members to open both regular and special board meetings with a prayer for, quote, wisdom and discernment for board members. In the newsroom, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Community members could soon have a say on what items in Dorchester School District 2 libraries should be reviewed. A committee has approved a change which now allows any taxpayer in the district to request a review for any book in the district's libraries. Before, only parents of children in the school district were allowed to ask for the review. The new policy also creates a timeline for the review process. Appeals would have to go to a citizen review committee before going to the school board. The policy is not in effect quite yet. It must go to the full school board for a first reading on April 24th and pass several other readings before being implemented. The top prosecutor in South Carolina wants the state to change the way its judges are chosen. Attorney General Alan Wilson, along with dozens of solicitors and sheriffs, they're calling on lawmakers to reform the judicial selection in the state. South Carolina is just one of two states where the legislature elects judges. Governor Henry McMaster has previously asked for the governor to choose the state's judges. Wilson did not completely endorse that, rather saying the state needs a system where the executive branch has more power. We believe that the government governs best when its three subordinate branches of government have equal checks on each other's ambition. That does not happen in our current system. There are two bills before lawmakers which could change how judges are chosen. One would allow the General Assembly to choose judges from a larger pool of candidates. The second would ban lawyer legislators from serving on the committee that reviews candidates. A former state representative has announced his bid for South Carolina's comptroller general position. Former Richland County Republican State Representative Kirkman Finley has his eyes on that seat. Finley narrowly lost his seat this past November to Democrat Heather Bauer. The next comptroller general will be decided by a vote of the entire 170-member General Assembly in a joint session. The winner will be whoever gets a simple majority of those votes. The position opened up after an investigation to former comptroller Richard Ekstrom, who admitted to a $3.5 billion accounting error over the past decade. Ekstrom resigned last week. Well, the Willie Gaines Playground in West Ashley will be seeing some big upgrades in the future. This comes as part of a grant program that officials say brings some valuable help to improve public spaces in the city, like parks. Yeah, Samantha Popovic, she joins us live in West Ashley. And Samantha, why was this park at the top of that list for priority? Good morning. The city selected the Willie Gaines Playground through the Park and Recreation Development Grant, and for the first time in 20 years, this park could receive new equipment. With this money, there will be new amenities installed and safety surfacing added, such as the wood on the floor preventing injuries. Director of Parks and Capital Projects for the City of Charleston, Jason Kronsberg, says now that the grant has been approved, they will start looking at playground equipment and give the community an update on what they have selected within their budget range and what fits within the safety zoning. 
Kronzberg says in the past 11 years, the Park Capitals project has replaced or installed 18 new playgrounds and parks around the city. He says this year, the Willie Gaines playground was up on the priority list, and they have put together an inventory list that maps everything from installation dates to the last time it was upgraded nearly 20 years ago. Willie Gaines was installed in, in 2003, so that puts it right at about 20 years old. And playground equipment has a useful service life that we think that we say is about 20 to 25 years. And then they start getting tired, faded, and um, then you know the new stuff that they come up with is just a little bit more exciting for the children. Kronzberg says they are looking to have their construction contract for the playground by late summer or early fall, which they will then hand off to City Council. Tonight's City Council meeting will be at City Hall on Broad Street at 4.30 p.m. Reporting live in West Ashley, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. Thank you, Samantha. Well, officials say phase one of three of the Glen McConnell Parkway widening project is on track to be done in the next three to four weeks. They say at the start of the project, there were some issues with materials, but that is being resolved. Overnight closures are in effect from Magwood Drive to Beast Ferry Road from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. Officials say the project is set to be completed by March 1st of next year, and the project remains on target with its $25 million budget. Thanks for listening to Morning, Y'all. Produced every weekday morning, you can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.